excited and we are very serious about changing kids' lives and about helping kids and also adults uh, because some adults are dealing with issues because of things that happened to them when they were kids. And so uh, today we are going to talk about a different aspect when it comes to mental health because we've been talking about how important it is to have a solid mental foundation for a child. And so I think you're gonna be a little bit surprised about this aspect of it, but it is very, very important. So as I said, this show is all about helping children. If we can just save one kid's life, if we can just help one adult uh, with their child or with them, uh, help the adult as well with issues that they may, may be dealing with. Now, you know we used to be on at 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. This is our new time, and we are excited about it. We actually get to see some daylight. And so uh, I'm going to give out the uh, suicide line. Uh, if you are struggling today uh, with depression, with anxiety, if you're thinking about taking your life, uh, because of all these different things and issues that we are dealing with uh, in our country right now, there is help. You can actually call the suicide line and there is somebody at the end of that line that will talk to you and that number is 988. And then we also have a teen lifeline, uh, suicide prevention line, and if you want to talk to, if you're a teen and you want to talk to a teen, you can call 817-281-9900. So with that said, I'm going to turn uh, everything over to Mrs. Jean, and I forgot to introduce myself. My name is Linda. <laughs> I am the host of the show, and I'm also the host, the uh, show coordinator. And so I'm going to turn it over to Miss. Jean Marie, and she is the assistant host coordinator. And welcome to the show. And we are excited to introduce Ples Montgomery. He is with the Oak Cliff Veggie Project. And if you're wondering how this all fits into everything, well, diet has a lot to do with your mental health. How you eat definitely and directly affects your mental health and also the fact that gardening as well. So we're going to let Plez tell us a little bit more about the program and what they do and how it works. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you both for, for having me on the show. I uh, truly appreciate it and uh, love the work that you guys are doing. Um, talking about uh, mental health and being uh, understanding of uh, what it means and, and uh, why it's important to 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 monitor it and and know your status and be cognizant of what other folks are going through. Uh, really, it's about understanding what what other people are going through as well. So, um, again, my name is Pless Montgomery the Fourth. I'm the executive director. I like to call myself the harbinger for the Oak Cliff Veggie Project. The what? The harbinger. Oh, okay. For the Oak Cliff Veggie Project, uh, it just means I'm not the carrier of the, yeah. the word or what what it what it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, so um, we are a 501c3 um, nonprofit that operates with a focus in the Oak Cliff and Southern Dallas areas. Uh, our mission is to cultivate a healthier, stronger, and more self-reliant 
community. Uh, and we do that by, uh, by reintroducing the practice of cooperative community cultivation uh, and increasing access to fresh, healthy produce uh, and providing education around how to go about growing your own, uh, composting, um, and uh, how to prepare that fresh produce uh, for the best health, uh, for the, the greatest good of your health and wellness uh, within your family. Okay. Excellent. So I noticed on your website, and this really caught my eye because I like how, it's, how they said it, what part of your mission is education, cultivation, and preparation. Mm -hmm. And the picture showed people of all ages, all age groups, all the way down to children. And I, I found that very interesting because and it made me realize, you know, this is good for any age group. Anybody can grow vegetables. Anybody yes. can get involved in gardening. So you can get a lot of people who are struggling in life, even children, get them out there in the outdoors, get them growing things. They can even do this indoors. Yes, so absolutely. So this kind of goes a lot of different ways. And But the one question I had was, what is a micro farm? I saw that on the website, and I want some ex little stronger explanation. Right. So most of the times uh, with uh, there's, there's got cate cate these categories of, uh, of agriculture and cultivation spaces. So what, we know, what most people know is either a farm or a community garden space, right? So community gardening is thought more along the lines of like what a hobbyist would do. Someone who is, they're not necessarily worried about their yield how much they are growing or particularly what they are growing they don't they're not doing it specifically to uh, to to sell anything like there's no profit motivation involved in the growing so that's what would be when someone says a community garden what they would be that's what they're they're involved in right that's what they're that's what the community garden does uh, on the other hand a farm is very much an operation that is um, that is, uh, uh, pro I don't want to say profit driven because they're not all about just about profit, but where you are focused on uh, either growing a, a, a select few plants, uh, specific crops rather, and uh, those are um, uh, you, you nine times out of ten are going to be selling some of that. But you're you're very much focused on the yield and the quality of what it is that you're growing, uh, and uh, how much of it you can grow in a certain time frame, and then use that to either sell it or donate it or, or whatever whatever have you. The micro farm falls someplace in between that. So it's kind of a combination of the uh, a space where you do want to grow enough so that you can feed a large group of people, feed a right. group of people, um, but also it is a space where uh, education and healing can uh, can take place. So you can invite people onto a farm, whereas a, a, a large scale commercial farm, as, as you will, you're probably not, there's probably not having a lot of visitors come out there and, and people being able to come in and see the process and understand what it takes, to, the truly what it takes to cultivate uh, our, edible, our edible plants for mass consumption, right? So the micro farm falls somewhere in between that and allows us to do both especially uh, and it's uh, it's sized that way for our urban setting so within a certain uh, radius around a city would be considered urban uh, and uh, we want to have more of those spaces now when you said part of what you yield you sell is it like a farmers market type of thing or how do you yeah you'd do be that? we'd be looking at you would be looking at a, uh, a distribution model that's that's called a CSA uh, which is uh, community supported agriculture, and that is this is a really old model um, that was uh, that was pioneered by uh, guys like uh, Booker T. Watley and George Washington Carver when they oh, wow. they pioneered what is now known as the uh, or the agriculture extension programs that a lot of colleges have. 
um, but they they were the first some of the first guys to go out to the to the farmers and take a truck out there with them and, and say okay guys this is this is how this is how you need to, to be successful this is these are the practices that you need to put in place and these are all now have all these names of, of organic practices and uh, restorative practices and sustainable practices this was all being practiced like a hundred years ago already right <laughs> so um, these are that's why I say we are reintroducing things that were already part of the they were already part of the of the platform that used to be normal gardening right used so to be very normal CSA, for most families. exactly so CSA refers to the, the way in the, a it's a distribution model so instead of this kind of like large-scale uh, big pallets of uh, of a single a farm growing all tomatoes and that's the only crop that that farm grows we're talking about a farm that will grow a multitude of, of different a variety of different crops and uh, those crops being distributed directly to the the families that are in a surrounding area so that's right. what CSA is and now we, we see it with some of these companies that will you sign up like a subscription service and you buy it and they send you a box of food with a recipe in it like this was the CSAs that uh, Booker T. Watley and, and these guys they, that they pioneered all these years ago this is what it has become now in this uh, in this kind of more modern version of it amazing well, that is interesting now how did you get the community involved how did you get people to start joining in with you and so I would say I mean we <laughs> when we first started this it was a uh, my as my mother would say she got a word uh, that said to feed the people um, and from the Lord. Yes. I love that. Yes. You know, we say when we when you say you got you got a word. Mm -hmm. I got a word that said that this is was was on my heart and I heard it and, and so she 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 listened and she followed. Uh and she we we started using family money to to purchase food from an online food co op. Uh and um uh and put up a sign. Uh at, at see she initially was trying to get it as a as a as a ministry of the church, but uh there wasn't enough support within the church to do it, but they did give her permission to use the property and the parking lot. It was lot. like uh nice. you got a word about storing a garden? Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> Right, because once you like, it's it's all good. Everybody's like, yeah, we should have a garden. There should be local for road. And then when it's like, then when we say, okay, well, let's come on and grab these shovels and get to work. Then everybody's like, uh, uh, yeah, I, well, I don't know if I really want to do that. I don't think she really. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's how it that's how it initially started, and um, uh, the the community. Uh, the community kind of found us. We we uh, we were found by a, a wonderful woman uh, in the Dallas area. Her name is uh, Angela Sanders. She runs a program called Feed Oak Cliff, which has been uh, uh, at the forefront of petitioning. A lot of Oak Cliff is is what is what's known as a food desert, and uh, she has been petitioning and working to get uh, a high quality grocery store with with uh, with that that can provide this equitable access to fresh produce with good selections um, in the Oak Cliff area. And uh, she uh, her program. One of her vanguard programs uh, for Feed the Feed Oak Cliff is the Dallas Veg Fest, another event that's coming up here at the end of September. Um, it's the last Sunday this month. Um, I don't want to misquote the date. I, I just know it's the last Sunday of, of this month. Um, but you can find all that information on our on our Facebook page if you're looking for the Dallas Veg Fest. Okay. So the Veg Fest is a it's a, a festival uh, uh, of of healing and wellness and and family fellowship, uh, the whole nine at Keys Park. Uh, so Excellent. she she found us. This was uh, this this had to be like five maybe five years ago now, uh, four or five years ago now. So she invited us to come out with our our with what we were doing. And when we started, it was kind of like a, a farmers market style, right? So we would put all the food out. People would park and, and come up. And of course, this is pre COVID. So. 
um, people would park and come up and, and sign in and then they take a bag and, and kind of take a little bit of, of what we had. And our goal with setting it up that way was to encourage this idea. Like usually when something signs up, when there's a sign up that says, oh, this is for free, everybody runs up and they want to take as much as they possibly can. Yep. So we are trying <laughs> we to we are trying to to kind of flip that idea of like just because there's something there for free doesn't mean that you should try to take all of it, you know. Right. And so so we were trying what we were trying to encourage is this idea like there's a person behind you, like let's stretch this out as far as possible. Like take what you need, not just take what you can carry and, right. and think that you need. Because often with eating, our eyes are bigger than our stomachs, right? And we end up wasting a lot and of you food. You want some for later, right? And that's what and that's part of the 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 goal with the the program or what. Another reason we started this because the, of the, the amount of waste that is in the current food system and trying to encourage a mindset that doesn't produce as much waste. That, that gets us as consumers of this food into this mindset to not be wasteful in our consumption of it, right? And understand the true value of it. So uh, also it, it, it would start these conversations about the preparation side of our program where if we had like a bok choy which is like an Asian grain or or eggplant or something that somebody you wouldn't normally spend your money on at the store because you've never eaten it before you don't know how to prepare it that's that's kind of a that's a, a tough choice to make like on something I haven't eaten this or I can spend my money at the store on something that I know is gonna be good I know how to prepare mm -hmm. so it would allow us it would allow for these communities these very organic community conversations to happen about the the how to how to cook a, a meal so you might be in line and looking at the bok choy like oh what do I do with this and I'm three people behind you like I love bok choy I cook it like it this I put it with that and then so now we are everyone is sharing their their recipes and that's a that's a cultural exchange like food it's is very idea. food is a very cultural in, in inheritance and in, uh, in practice right so that's that was that that goes to to this that that kind of led us to because this was before we were a nonprofit, like we were just a mutual aid program kind of helping so that led us to having those experiences with the community uh led us to these to these three uh these three pillars that kind of guide the, the the work as it stands now awesome so are you trying to incorporate <clears throat> this program in more communities like are you trying to grow it further out than you already are now uh yes absolutely and we ha we have over the the years we have uh community partners uh, all in in fort worth and in north dallas and in, in east dallas uh arlington um, several places that we have uh, that we that we have been able to find spaces to help folks who are uh, who are wanting to set up uh, set up a community garden an opportunity for their communities to, to learn and grow, come together and learn their learn how to grow their own food uh, and indeed prepare the food as well well you know I remember from throughout the years I remember like at senior centers them having little gardens out back where they were growing stuff and they were so excited when they could know cut up their tomatoes and their cucumbers mm -hmm. and stuff and share them with the other people that were able to come out to tables to eat and there's a community garden right in where I live just down the street from where I live right behind the library where a lot of people in town go and help work on that and they disperse it to needy families and the seniors the elderly that are on limited budget so it's a pretty common thing and and then there's people that just have gardens in their backyard that always have more than they need mm -hmm. and they give it away to neighbors and stuff so it really is a great idea just on a lar much larger scale yes to, to kind of bring us back together as neighbors and as a community yeah. instead of being so oh, afraid, God, do of, we need that? afraid of, yes. of of each other and not knowing who's who's who in the neighborhood and being able to to trust because I, I i don't i don't have any kids myself just yet 
however, I know a lot of uh, folks that when we were kids, like the there are kids that are between like ten and, and fifteen years old that like we used to be, you know, get you could be left at, at your home for for several hours or a, or go out into the community by yourself and go, and go down the street and, and walk to your neighborhood pool or to the YMCA or what have you, right? And that that is not as as present in in communities now, and it's some of that is because we are we are kind of disconnected from each other. So uh, again, this is a, a the 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 work is to help bring us together and, and make more communal spaces within the neighborhoods and the communities that people can come in and spend time together with their neighbors. Like Awesome. Well, one thing I want you to talk about that we discussed earlier is how important it is for people to get more vegetables in their diet and, and the healthier eating habits and also the gardening and how it affect, affects, directly affects mental health. Because you've seen it firsthand. Yes, absolutely. Um, another one of the, the joys of the work that, that we have been doing with this is uh, the, uh, how many times we hear um, our volunteers mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and community members come in and say like that this is their like I, I personally I refer to it as uh, as my this is my church time like in the garden like this is the, that is my this is my my fellowship and my my I, I practice it as a it's a, it could be considered a religious practice for me and so other folks have come and they found that same uh, safety and peace and and kind of this this healing time to be there and uh, and and be with the other the other uh, folks whether they're just you know pulling weeds or planting new seeds uh, or uh, preparing the bags to go out to the to the other families uh, I've seen there there's uh, I can't name I can't call any of the names of the we studies don't want you to do that. but I know the 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 names of these uh, there's there's studies that say that um, uh, and uh, and some programs here in Dallas uh, for that matter that uh, the where they will work with uh, with folks with uh, with PTSD or some uh, some other kind of marked um, uh, mental condition that uh, being out in the garden is very peaceful and calming like and, and uh, provide gives them some work to do that that allows them to help to help them regulate themselves um, uh, and then, of course, the the other side of it is the the, the real the this was the the other original reason we started was for the health and the wellness of the community. There are so many um, uh, blood pressure, hypertension, heart disease. Like there, there's these chronic conditions that are a product are are ravaging communities because of the the food like products mm -hmm. uh, and the processed food industry that uh, that are ravaging the communities and that can be reversed or mediated or changed with simple with with better dietary changes. However, that means that the access has to be equitable to these to the to this fresh food. And when when we live in a the the way of capitalism and how it works in our communities when you have to get up and go to your job and you got to travel across town to get to your job whether that be in your own vehicle or by your uh, or by the public transportation, you have to grab your kids like food it's a it makes it very easy to conveniently place food food that is unhealthy in your in your pathway and then yeah. take that take you give not give not now you feel like you don't have the option you don't Nuggets. have that equitable access to get the fresh produce or you have the you don't have the time to uh to prepare it and cre and create it so that you are you are ingesting healthy uh healthy foods like your gut is truly the the driving your engine in your body like everybody says that you know our brain our brain is just processing sensory input the gut is telling the brain go out and find me food and go out and get get me warm and go out and all these these other things right so the the health of the community and having equitable access to this food like the communities that that are described as food deserts are uh, are one you it's uh, the the conditions are and food desert isn't even the right term terminology for it and I'll 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 back up to that in a second the 
the that the trend the that you live a mile or more from access to specifically fresh produce um, that you have limited access to transportation to get to that to that fresh produce and the the income level of the of yeah. what the income level of the neighborhood is so those are the those are the three conditions that uh, that that define what a, a food desert area is as defined by the, the USDA um, and a lot of our communities are in that situation so it's about equitable access to fresh to fresh healthy produce and then knowing the value of it and knowing what to knowing what to do with it and uh, the term food desert is is an inaccurate description because as we know as we all know a desert is a naturally occurring environmental well, type within the within the world a desert is kind of a place where things are lacking and su surprisingly one of our technical guys here actually brought this up a few weeks ago, he talked about this same thing, how certain areas do not have fruits and vegetables in the stores yeah, but they available have, to... But there's, there's, there's Taco Bell there, and there's Chicken Shacks, and there's, there's all this junk food. So the, the, the question then becomes, that's why food desert is not the right, is not the right, um, is not the right terminology, because if a, a grocery store comes into this area, they'll look at it and say, oh, there's not enough people here, they don't make enough money, they don't they they don't know enough to to know what to purchase for themselves like they don't know what fresh what fresh produce is um then but at the same time then there's three 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 fast food restaurants will open up and so why yep. so if this area is not valuable for the families that are here like they don't if they don't you're telling you're saying that they don't eat why is this fast food restaurant chain saying oh yeah we can open up three within 10 blocks of each other and so, so every corner you turn, it's the same restaurant there and the same convenient access to, to food that is slowly killing people and keeping mm -hmm. you in the hospital system. And so it, it, it ends up bogging exactly. down all these other industries and creating more and creating uh, uh, more debt and more uh, uh, more disease. Uh, and so that's why we, there need to be just as many green spaces that provide access to not only that fresh produce, but how, but the understanding the value of what it takes to create that fresh produce, so that you are now more self-reliant because you can you can grow a little bit of, of it on your own, and and because you can go to the store right now and buy buy onions and peppers and tomatoes, and they have the seeds in them. Now the cleanliness of those seeds, like how whether it's a, it's truly organic, did it have pesticide use on it? That's a whole other question. But you could take all of those things and start your own you start yep. your and regrow a, a multitude of the most of the stuff that you buy in the store provided that it does actually have seeds in it yeah so the the health and wellness is is our that's truly the core of, of what we are what we are doing and, and why we started the veggie project in the first place and my younger sister described what the work we did that we're doing um, as as healing as very healing work and 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 uh, indeed some of our a great many of our volunteers are um, they feel the same way like they continue to work with us because they 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 believe and they know that we have created a safe space uh for for persons of any backgrounds of any uh, any religious faith like whatever your whatever type of human you are <laughs> if you, you can, <laughs> right you can you can come out and and you will be safe and you will be safe in our space um and you will be able to experience uh this fellowship with other people who are there to uh, to do good for for the for to, to heal in whatever way they they want to heal and and to do good for so to offer that that good to someone else as well. Now we hear the PTSD a lot with our military personnel. That's one of the most common things that they come back here with. But a lot of people don't realize PTSD affects a lot of people mm -hmm. it, it, because it's caused it's trauma 
that causes it. So it can be multiple different situations yes. that a person is, is struggling with that. And I love that this is something that would be, be just a wonderful help for them, yes. you know, to just because it gets them outside, it gets them out in the sunshine and the fresh air, and it gets yeah, them in a peaceful your, place. Get your and hands in the, in a hands safe in the place. dirt. You get to work with something yeah. else that is that is also living. Uh, you get to just experience things that you normally. It kind of takes you out of this consumer um, uh, position to food, and you get to be on the other side of it. You get to be on the production, the, the creation side of these of these things that you're gonna be that you're gonna be eating, uh, and you get to feel like you eventually get to feel that that difference. Um, uh, speaking to the the, the the childhood side of it, we I've worked with kids uh, in some of the lessons that I've been able to do, and and not just through the Veggie Project, through partnerships with some of the other other um, uh, groups that I that I know that that have brought me in to work with their their youth mentor groups, uh, and these are you know kids that come up in a household, and the household is. Uh, uh, you know, like you might not eat broccoli only because your parents didn't eat broccoli and they're like oh, we don't eat broccoli in this house and you never got to try it until you were out on your own uh, as a, a young adult and and you're feeding yourself and now you're like oh let me see what this broccoli that's is talking about that's actually true for me <laughs> uh, same way with me with, with avocados and like guacamole like same when here. i saw it as, as a kid like nobody in my it's family green. was really thinking about eating it and i'm looking at it like oh, i don't think this is gonna be so good but then later on come to find out like this is the greatest thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I know the same way. I know my mom forced us to eat greens, and I was like, "Oh God!" I used to put sweet potato juice on the greens, on the greens. so that I could eat the greens. <laughs> but now today, because of her forcing me, mm -hmm. I like greens. Mm -hmm. And then I'm such when it comes to health, I want to be healthy. So if someone tells me that if I eat a certain thing then it's healthy, then I acquire a taste for that. Mm -hmm. So that's how I kind of transition with the avocados and all of that and mixing it in with other things mm -hmm. and all of that. Hey. But, you, but let me ask you this. You talked about childhood. One of the main things that we want to bring out on the show mm -hmm. today is how important is the nutrition side of it when it comes to raising a child and making sure that a child is mentally stable. Because you know children go to school. Mm -hmm. I never will forget this. We were at church uh, at a Bible study and the children were wanting candy. Mm -hmm. And they gave them candy, which was sweets. And all of a sudden the kids, is like they lost their mind. They were, they were hopping up and they wouldn't sit down. Mm -hmm. And you could just see it. You could just go through all the parents and you could just see all the kids just acting up. And mm -hmm. it was the sweets. Mm -hmm. And you, you brought out a very important point. And that point was is that being able to get your child what you need them to have in the morning. You're trying to go to work. The child is trying to go to school. You right. may have three different kids there. That child has to go this place. One has to go because I like I know like my son, we have two uh, grandchildren. They're going to uh, uh, the daycare or, or, or whatever, mm -hmm. and then we have one that's going to school now. And then you're trying to get them off. So how do you get healthy food in your child? So that you're not stopping at McDonald's and getting the wrong thing. You're not giving them French fries. How how do you do that? So that is actually that is our the challenge that we are that we are taking on with with the Veggie Project and indeed some of the other other uh, uh, the other organizations we work with. Um, 
I'm, I cannot honestly say that I have all the answers for that. Uh, again, because I'm not a parent, I, I, don't, uh, I do not have those same challenges to work with on a daily basis. Um, I talk with, my, with our community members, our volunteers, uh, friends of mine, uh, family members that, that do have kids, and uh, it, it is about having that access, like the, uh, the access and the education. So the education is twofold, and we have the education where we're trying to educate an adult to, to make different to make different changes given whatever their circumstances are and that's a wide variety of circumstances for you as a single parent taking care of, of multiple yes. kids having a partner and having different levels access to transportation income levels that there's a, a whole spectrum of things that are, that are there so and you said something very important I think a lot of it is is that we as parents we're not totally convinced that nutrition that that's part of the equation that 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 is part of the equation when it comes to mental health mm -hmm. because as I began to do my study before I came to the show today so mm -hmm. that I could talk to you and I began to listen at them talk about how important it was for nutrition that nutrition how important it is when it comes to mental health mm -hmm. and I was amazed because I didn't know that I didn't and, and, and that's what this is all about it's, it's about learning from people such as yourself and then getting the information out there because I think that every parent that is listening they want their child to have good mental health because if your child is healthy mentally then that your life is going to be better mm -hmm. because your child is going to act better so I learned a I learned a word on another show that I was on with a a, a brother that uh, is named Kevin Curry he runs Fit Men Cook. He does uh, uh, meal planning and preparation uh, for individuals, and uh, the word he used was uh, satiety or, but it's it's a it's a variation a derivative of of, of the word satiate. So uh, related to our gut to our to when we eat, we have our uh, like our taste buds and our urge, our hunger to fulfill, but we also have a nutritional factor, and this is where we get back to the to the 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 what I call food swamp, or I've heard somebody else use that term. Food swamp is where you have access to food, but that food is trash. Right. It is. It is. It's not good. It's not nutritious food. What is trash? What What like, food would you refer to as trash? Any Any kind of uh, any any fast food anywhere you can pull up, and then five minutes later they have a plate of something gre some something Potato greasy, chips. something Candy. greasy and nasty. Like all the all the, the processed food, anything that is that is food like so basically all of the and if you go to a grocery store like the interior sections of food in the grocery store like those inner aisles are all of your your processed so foods. we're talking about hamburgers french fries hot dogs right hot dogs are one of the the worst the ones worst. like i, I and, and it's one of the things that i see at, at like family gatherings they'll be like oh, okay we got these cheap hot dogs for the kids and then the, all the 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 quote-unquote good food is for the adults like the 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 the, yeah. the, the, the chicken and the and the, the beef sausages and all these Salad like these other these other parts they like no the kids ain't eat that like let the kids have these Give hot dogs the but that's like that's the worst of the of the processed meat category that you could really put it in front of someone and yeah. what you were saying earlier about the, the 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 kids what they are ingesting is so the 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 how how what they are ingesting is is affecting their their mental state of mind 
And that's something that we don't think about in buying these kind of quick snacks and, and breakfast and breakfast bars and all those things. So it's a it it really is a matter of education. But when you go to a like you go to a, a Best Buy or you go to a, a any other store, you go to a car dealership, you go to a, a, a clothing store. What happens? Somebody's right in your face. Hey, can I help you? Let me mm -hmm. tell you about this product. Mm -hmm. Oh, have you heard about this? Let me tell you about that. What happens when you go in a grocery store? And so They're feeding you stuff, but so no, not, not even that, not not even that at, at a at a at a grocery store that doesn't have high levels of access to that. There's there's nobody there to explain to you no, what ribonucleic whatever in the in, in the ingredients level. And even when they're standing out in Sam's and other stores, they don't explain. They try to push you to try it. But they don't really explain. And that goes to again. That goes to for when you're eating. That goes. They're 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 lending. They're they're playing on your taste buds, not not yeah. the nutrition that you actually smell. Need. And you taste. said something very very important that I also heard from studying before I got here, and I want you to confirm and expound on that. Mm -hmm. And that is is that a lot of people, and I didn't until I started going to my. Uh, natural food doctor herbalist or whatever mm -hmm. your gut i want you to talk about the gut the gut actually is the most important part of your body it is talk it, about it, how that is connected to the mental health and all of that so your 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 gut is like is truly the engine of your body it is actually full of other life forms that are not human that are there like breaking things down and sending the nutrition and the, and the things in, in the right areas so your your the way that you process the way that your stomach processes things is going to lead to your to the rest of your overall your overall health and, and how your then how your brain then processes all the sensory input that it is getting so what you're hearing what you're seeing what you're smelling all of those things like will are going to be either elevated or dampened based on the type of food that you have and, and the example you gave earlier about just giving kids because they say they're hungry giving them a bag of chips and some candy yep is going to dump dumps a lot of sugar and sugar like there are studies that that show that sugar is just as addictive as as some of the schedule one and two drugs that are yep. illegal for people to consume however it is in like there are high levels of it in like 90 percent of the processed foods that we eat and you know the other thing that i realized and all of that is that if that is so, it affects your brain. So when your child goes to school and they're trying to learn and they're trying to focus and they're trying to pay attention, how is that affecting the child? It, that affects them in the same way. Like the the one one thing that we're hearing more and more now is is the effect of social media on on attention level, right, uh, and motivation. And so we know that we have these receptors and these like our brain produces the the dopamine and the serotonins and the delivery of that. Like whether your brain is pumping that into your system depends on what's going on in your gut. So if you do not if you don't have fully nutritious food or if you've been consuming a lot of sugars like your your brain is processing that almost the same as it does a dopamine hit it's like it's like okay i got this sugar now i'm amped up i'm ready to go and when that once you fall off of that now you are very lethargic yeah and you are not you can't be focused in on what it is you're supposed to be learning at the time in your classroom people be like oh at first you were all excited and you you seemed like you were with me and now it's like you you're just out of it, and that's mm -hmm. what and is you, happening. You can't pay attention because what your brain is actually looking at, your brain is like, okay, where's the rest of the sugar? Like, give me some more of this of this, of this chemical. I need to, to feel balanced back mm -hmm. out rather than being engaged in what is actually what's actually happening around you. 
You well, know, you know. I was, the other thing too, though, I was going to say is, we can also look at behavior of adults. And on the Clearly, same level. Yeah. this is the same problem, only exactly. on an adult level, which is a far more dramatic and dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that is um, the 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 companies that, and I, I studied advertising uh, at in university. So those these are literally the the advertising, and advertising is everything from the packaging, the mm-hmm. colors that they use, the wording that they use, oh, yeah. uh, the placement of it in the stores. Um, it's not it's no coincidence that all of the the sugary snacks and the the processed foods are at the child's eye level and not at the parent's eye level because the child is affecting the the child has more influence on what the mother or father or whoever the caretaker is is going to be buying right. to, for that child to eat right. and so they know that they're going to give in and say okay this is this is what you're you're yanking at me and begging me for then this is what I'm go- this is what I'm going to give to you because I know and in the parents mind sometimes it's like I know this is going to like they think it's like oh this is going to calm you down but it's just going to take them off of that that high that they're that they're on trying to to this need to get to it to try to get to it because they're in their kid brain they're remembering how how the food actually makes them feel and that is this goes back to this time. This is directly related to, to mental health. Yes. The food makes you feel a certain way. Yes. And it's because it turns on all these different receptors and, and things in, in your brain and you start getting these hits of the, the chemicals that your brain naturally produces, but it's 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 a heightened or dampened down version of, of, of those things. So the food makes you feel a certain way and that that's the and then the, the but the actual nutritional quality, is it like is it slowly destroying your, your body? Like you get the feeling of the food and then you get what it's actually doing for the health you know, of the rest of your body, like how it's getting distributed, those sugars and those things that, that it breaks down into uh, throughout your, your gut process, how is that actually, what is that actually doing for your body? You know, what that reminds me of, you know how you can get a bag of chips? Oh, and those chips are just tasting so good. But then in about 30 minutes or so, it's like, uh, I'm still hungry and I don't feel too good. Or you could sit and you can eat a lot of sweets. Because I see people sometimes, they may eat a half a pie. But then later on, afterwards, that night or that evening or whatever, or even the next morning, like even this week, Mm -hmm. it was day before yesterday, I ate a lot of junk. And I don't normally do that. The next morning, I could feel the difference Mm -hmm. in what I usually eat. But the thing that I want to ask you, because I am just really amazed and I'm just really proud of your mom and dad, of what a good job that they have done. And I know you told me that your mom was the one that actually started all this. Yes. So this was her. And she heard from God. She told God, and I tell people on this show all the time, God is always talking, but are we listening? Yes. And then after we listen, are we obedient? And your mom was obedient. And then look what has come from her obedience. Look at you. I mean, what you and your mom is doing, it is unique. I mean, you hear of people doing different things. But when you hear of an African-American man sitting here talking about a garden and talking about nutrition and and, uh, planting gardens and communities and all of that, it's unique, it's wonderful. And I'm proud of you. But what I want you to do, I want you to tell the listening audience about how this actually got started. How did your mom incorporate you into this? Because 
I don't think that I could have incorporated my sons into helping me with a garden. So what was it? It had to be something that was in you. So I was, as my mother was starting this, this program, I was at a point trying to figure out where I was going to go. As, as I said, I started, I, I, uh, I studied advertising at university, among other things. I had several majors <laughs> while okay. I was floating around in my education trying to find what it was I was going to do. And, and before that, let me, let me, let me say, I'd like... Uh, a big thank you to my mother and my father and my parents for uh, everything that they had done for myself and my siblings. Yes. Uh, we had a, a, a big family uh, compared to, to most other families. Uh, and uh, my and, and, and you just, had your mom and dad at home, yes, correct? Yes, both of my parents uh, and, and my siblings. And we went through our, through our ups and downs. Uh, didn't have my grandfathers in, uh, in, in our lives. They, they died early on in, in my father's and in, in both of my parents' parents uh, lives um, and uh, but had uh, grandmothers and and had the, the the legacy so I come from a family where they 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 did as much as they could for each other my father was is a care has been not only a caretaker of the family that he started with my mother but of uh, of his extended family members his uh, some uh, some aunts and, and uncles uh, throughout his family that he awesome. helped to, to take care of as a, as they moved into their elder years um, and uh, as as an adult so that is something that uh, taking care of family uh, and being living very close. Like I had the benefit of living close to uh, on my father's side of the family here in, in Dallas, uh, all cousins and, you know, aunts and, and uncles and, and all, all over the place. So we all came up together like they sometimes some people say, you know, your first best friends are your are your cousins. And that's very true of my family. Like we all grew up in very close proximity to each other, hanging out with each other all the time. So uh, being a part of the family. And uh, and having that family backbone has has been uh, probably I I would say is probably one of the greatest blessings of my life like the greatest things that I could have have hoped to come into this world and and be a part of, um, and so that is that's I would say that that is how I ended up being able to work with my mother in, in this space and and don't get me wrong I had I definitely had my rebellious years like as I'm going through through high school I'm like I did not want to go to college here and that like I didn't want to go to to you to UTD I didn't want to go to uh, to uh, to Paul Quinn like I wanted to go out and get out on my own and not and of course at the time I'm thinking about it as escaping my family not realizing the value that uh, that was there or not consciously realizing it right. Um, so I, I I went out and I went to to Florida A and M and and University of Houston and I I, I lived my my young life and and knocked my head against the wall and and you know have got my 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 lessons and my blessings that way and then in coming back to Dallas. Uh, was still working, uh, started working and, and trying to find like, okay, what am I going to do? Like I, I do enjoy advertising and, and creating and, uh, and, uh, and, and creating these messages, but I didn't want to work. I didn't want to create commercials for McDonald's, you know, because <laughs> they, because of what they're doing. So this, this allowed for a very wonderful intersection of what I, my, my, my formal education and something that I, I, I came to be, to be very passionate about and knowing that I could have a, I could have an impact in a positive impact on other people in the community as well. I want to go back to your mom. Yes. How did your mom get you to, ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So to we agree have, to get into the gardening and all of this, how does what did she say to you? So we've always been close. Um, uh, 
always been close. Like we spent a lot of time driving on the road together. When I was a kid on the swim team, I would be going out to meet. So we're up at five thirty in the morning, getting okay. out and driving to different parts of Texas to go to the YMC, different YMCA's or, or the, the meet the meets. Um, when she started this, I was I was very I was How working a lot. Uh, this was um, what I had to be. I was already. 29 30 years old really we started this like we just because we just started the veggie project here like this has not been this is this was what 2015 i believe when she started it i thought maybe you were like one of those ages where you have to be like okay mom right, come i don't want to do it no no, no. I'm, I'm already like adult and have lived on my own and really and made all of my own mistakes and 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 uh so I like lived in another city, had you know, have had an apartment, house, like all of it. So in coming back to Dallas, she when she started it, I was I was working a lot, like two I was working two jobs, again trying to, to do, trying to find really the type of work that I wanted to to make my career, um, and she was it was just a matter of me seeing what she was doing and then seeing the kind of impact that it was having on people what and did you wanting see to, that to she hurt was... her so so not hurt sorry to help her right so this started out as a once a month thing at the uh, at st luke presbyterian church in singing mm -hmm. hills mm -hmm. and uh she was she would gather up the food and go pick it up and 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 bring it to the spot set it all up and and it was it was like a five or six hour day of of uh, of work and so one day I actually asked her, like, okay, I was like, what, I was like, what, uh, what do you want to, like, what, what actually are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, or, or what do you, what do you want to do? Like, what do goal? you, yeah, yeah, what do you really see this as? Right. And when she, when she explained that to me, I, um, I kind of, I, I took it upon myself to, um, to find out more and say, okay, if we're going to make an impact, like, let's go, let's see about going back and making an impact. Now, the, the, the real first thing was that she wanted to add a community garden component to this space because the, the church is a small church, but it's on a nice size plot of land. Right. And so she wanted to get a community garden started. So I started going to, uh, community meetings, city meetings and finding out, okay, what is happening in the foodscape in Dallas? Like, how do I go about how do you start a community garden um and which had which led me to a a, a meeting where uh where the uh a member of the mayor star council at the time was uh they were looking for a group that was in the zip code where we were in mm. and um, confirmation was, right like i was literally in the right place at the right time and they were they needed they were looking she for did here to, <laughs> right so <laughs> she they were looking for someone to put up to put a that wanted to start a community garden and, and when they did that i i was the only person that raised my hand <laughs> in the room was like uh we would like to start a community garden and we have a wonderful spot right in the zip code that y'all are you serious and that's how we got the first community garden in singing hill started and so wow. from there it was like okay now we are this is let's let's define uh what this would look like as a as a nonprofit. what do we need to do did to she know what she things? was doing she I, had no idea no she just she heard that she word just heard she, that she, word. she found some she she did a little bit of research found out where she could she could stretch the money the most to get as much produce as possible and uh and just started setting it up and so i went about making that easy as easy as possible for her to continue doing with so i'm education I am, and background yeah i'm the i'm the i'm that type of person if i'm if i'm working with you uh, on any level like i'm going to look at at the, at the operation and say okay how can we how can we streamline this how can we make it how can we make this more effective more equitable for for all part of the people who are both doing the work and the people who are on the receiving end of the work that we are doing now yeah. not only does he have a mother that hears from god 
But I want to talk about this other part that came out while Miss Jean was talking to you. And that is, well, before the show, we talked before the show. Mm -hmm. uh, you can always tell when you have parents that are good parents. And we have a lot of parents that, and I'm not going to say because nobody's a bad parent, I don't think, on purpose. But your mother was exceptional, uh, I think, because you talked about attention deficit disorder. Look at who you are. Look at what you've accomplished. Look at what you're doing. And if your mother would have stood for them putting that label on you, mm -hmm. because when he was in school, uh, they wanted to... Uh, label you as having attention deficit disorder. Am I right or wrong? Yes, correct. And how old were you? Uh, this had to be, how old are you in like third or fourth grade? Like eight, nine, eight or, eight or nine years old. Eight, nine years old. And what I do know is they tried to do the same thing to my son. Mm -hmm. And my son was gifted and talented. Mm -hmm. And what had happened was, yeah, I said that what had happened was, <laughs> it was a teacher at his school that had identified him as being gifted and talented because she said he she would read a book and he'd be looking around and then at the end he'd do all the answers and she called me to the school and mm -hmm. asked me could she test him i say that to say this and i'm saying this to the listening audience if your son is african-american or a minority there is a stigma of them being labeled when they don't understand how to deal with them, when they don't know what to do with mm -hmm. them, they try to label them as being AD&D, having attention deficit disorder. And I was like, your mom was. I went to the school, we met with the principal and the lady that identified my son as being gifted and talented she went to the administration with me mm -hmm. to talk, uh, and we had, I had, all, I saved all of his papers where he had A pluses because he made straight A's. Mm -hmm. So your mother had to be an exceptional person because you have to be paying attention to your child. And that's why it's so important that we realize that our children are gifts and that we have to pay attention to them. Mm -hmm because they have been put in our hands. It's just like the garden that you're talking about. God has actually put us, put the children in our hands to plant them in this world. And just like you have to nurture those uh, vegetables mm -hmm. and things that you nurture, we have to nurture our children. And that's what this show is all about. It's about making sure that our children are planted in this world in the right way. And so the teacher tried to uh, say that you had a, tep a uh, attention deficit disorder and your mother did what? She um, she did. She went through as much testing as, as was available at the time. And, of course, the same way and now in schools, they want to push the kids, like, okay, just give him this pill, give her this pill. Exactly. And so that they will calm down and they will conform to, the, to this environment that we have set up for them, whether that environment be well a good environment or not. And but she, she rejected that and made sure and, and found other ways, went about putting the pressure on the school to find other ways to, uh, to allow for that, that allowed me to still thrive and, and get my education in that, in this setting that was not 
that that I was was not a, that I wasn't tuned to just because of, because of my learning style and then also identifying the the learning style that your child has. My mother spoke about this all the time. Like my my older sister is a is more of an auditory what's known as an auditory yes. learner, and she so she can she she cues in on listening to uh, to the information that she needs to retain and hearing it over and over again really yes. helps her. And I'm a more visual learner, so visual, I need to yes. see the things written down and not only see them but I'm also visual. I have to write them uh, along yeah. the way as well. Like I have to yeah. copy what it is that I'm that I'm seeing. Yes, uh, in order for it to really set and get set in stone in, in my mind. So uh, those, again, something just truly grateful to my mother and, and also to make sure like having the, the foresight and the ability, because uh, again, this is, uh, I know that there are, are, are parents out there that are, are listening well that they had like my 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 family did was fortunate enough to have the, the time and the space. Uh, and I'm so grateful to my parents for for making that time yes. and space to go out and, and find uh, environments because my mother was very making. She made sure that we all went through some kind of Montessori program in our early education. Yes. And Montessori is a is a style of, of education that has a lot of tactile uh, a lot of touch, a lot of hands-on. Uh, it's not just kind of sitting with a paper and a pencil and going through the equations. Like they figure out a way to so that you can you can have hands-on a physical item that represents this mathematical equation that you're that you're learning about, right? Right. Um, learning about all your senses. Yes, and and that way you're bringing them all into the into the fold. So she was very very diligent about that, um, and making sure that myself and my siblings had. Uh, had the access to to those kinds of, of educational opportunities, and again, I I, I I'm saying this uh, with the knowledge that a lot of the parent, yes. a lot of the the listeners and, and parents out there, you all may not have that same uh, amount of uh, of ease of access right. to uh, to those things. Um, I will say that the best thing that you can do is provide as much exposure for your for your your children uh, to the to offer to different opportunities that are, are out there and I mean different experiences that are outside of just the norm of going to school and then coming home my mother yes. kept us in sports uh, we traveled as much as we were able to, to travel and and go and experience different uh, different cultures and different and different peoples um, those just having that experience it, it could be it could be scout going being a part of a scout program being a part of a summer program at a YMCA um, Anything, uh, any kind of mentorship program, um, even going to a, a as simple as a, a weekly, you know, after you, you get out of church or whatever, whatever you do that your your practice. Like there's a drum circle at uh, a place called Pan African Connection in Dallas, and that could be like you never know who you will meet at these at these places that's going to provide this ex- this different kind of experience uh, for your for your your child. I, uh, my uh, my my partner and my girlfriend uh, Whitney, she was just recently telling me a story about. A uh, a parent whose uh, whose child was on uh, was on the, the spectrum on the autism on the autism spectrum, and that she had never had this parent had never had a like a direct eye contact ver- verbal com- com- conversation with their child. Like imagine not being able to communicate with your child because their level of communication is is is, is far outside of yeah. what the the mainstream level yeah. of communication. So they're walking in New Orleans. And uh, there's a, a, a this is the this this artist on the street is a friend of, of my girlfriend. So she's playing her song, and the child that's on the spectrum stops and makes direct eye contact with this artist, and is listening and like is keyed into this type of wow. music that she is playing. And the the mother is the mother tells her is like. 
um, the mother says to her, she's the to the to the the artist that she's like, my son has never done this before. Like she she uh, she the she gave up. She provided a moment for that parent to to see. Okay, this is a way that I can potentially connect with my child and under and be able to communicate with them. So the more exposure to to things outside of your like immediate realm of control in your in your home is what's going to open up the the mind of your child and the way that and 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 you'll be able to see okay, this is what my child is into or this is how my child best communicates or this is how my child best learns. Um the kids that I work with um that I've been able to teach about the the growing things that that look at they'll look at a salad and be like oh no I won't ever eat a salad when they grew this when they grew the parts of that salad themselves yeah, they when they grew the lettuce it. and they grew the the cucumbers and they grew the tomatoes they could not wait to eat that salad and then we also took the took away they were all asking like oh can we have the ranch dressing I need ranch and we were like no we don't have ranch you're gonna open up open up their palate we put, we did have some other we had other options for dressing so. It's just a matter of exposure to to other things. Like even if it's outside of your comfort zone as an as an adult, provide that for your child as much as as much as you can. All right. Well, we are coming to the uh, end of the show. If you were to say in about thirty seconds, if you were to tell a parent one thing that your parents did for you to get you where you are today, what would that be? Um. Provide uh, provide your child with a a sense of responsibility over over something in that that is in their life and in their control. One of the easiest things you can do is give them a plant to take care of. It's something that is living. They have the responsibility of making sure that it stays that way. That and seeing the growth of it, like that, will give them an understanding, a deeper to me understanding of what uh, what caring for something and someone outside of themselves. Because as children, you know, we're kind of inherently selfish a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So providing them to care for something outside of themselves uh, and that doesn't have to do with their work responsibility as far as school and grades and things like that are concerned. Um, I say that's a great way. Can I mention the 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 yes. the, the giving day? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm sorry about that. No, Go it's ahead. okay. If you want to, if, if, uh, thank you all for your time. I appreciate y'all having me on the show. Uh, Oakland Veggie Project is participating in the North Texas Giving Day on September 22nd. Uh, we are raising funds so that we can build our micro farm and provide more of these experiences for our youth and adults in the community so that we can heal, uh, together and, uh, and learn from each other and fellowship and, and break bread together, <laughs> of course. So, uh, on, on September 22nd, you can find us at the North Texas Giving Day.org website, uh, and look for look up uh, Oakland Veggie Project um, and uh, and please make a, a financial donation. Uh, all of the all of the funds are going directly into our, our programming. Well, thank you today for tuning in to It's All About Kids and the Kid That's in You. And as as you have heard today, uh, nutrition has everything to do with your 